Welcome to the Universe's Greatest Podcast, the Culture Bucket Podcast. Thank you. Uh, welcome to the Culture Bucket Podcast, the Universe's Greatest Podcast. This is episode number 106. We'll be doing our usual culture catch-up today, discussing all the pop culture that Alex and I have been uh, engaging in, because this is the podcast where two very great friends talk all things popular culture forever. Ever, ever? Yeah. Um, I'm George, your, your host, and your other host is Alex, who's with me as well. Hi, Alex. Hi, George. Hi, everyone. Hi. Hi. How are you? Good. I'm very good. I liked your introduction. Thank, Thank you. you. It's slightly different today. <laughs> I lost my mind in the middle my of it. My mojo. <laughs> yeah. I'm good. It's fine, though. <clears throat> yes. How are you doing? Uh, I'm very, very good. I've been on holiday for a week. I'm very relaxed, which might be why I... Um, lost my mind a moment ago <laughs> but it's fine um it's been i like a your week. hair have you thank have you, you given a, a trim yes i had a haircut uh, a week ago uh thank you yeah and your beard as well you're looking very handsome today george oh thank you that's very kind of you to say yeah mm. yeah i told the man um because it's quite it was fairly long before yeah uh, and i told the barber i wanted a number two on the sides uh and back yeah just reasonable i think uh i don't know what and i'm just, that's what i normally get and his eyes went all wide uh <laughs> and he got the he got the size the number two trimmer out on the and showed me it on the on the razor and was like this is the, you sure this is what you want and he made me really panic about it and then yeah it is what i normally cut it down to but do all. you not go always to the same person to cut your hair yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. but i go yeah. so rarely that they ah, okay. don't remember me i don't think Oh, that's such a simple way to ask. Oh, can I have a two and a one? Like I have to show pictures of every single angle. Well, it's taken me years. It's taken me years to get because I'd normally go in and be like, I just could just cut it so it's not as long as it is now, and then they'd be like, well, what, like a number four? And I'd be like, ah, okay. And eventually, I worked. I've worked out now that I like a number two, but I get it cut so infrequently, maybe twice a year, that, um. That every time I go, I have to really consider what the number is because I'm <laughs> sure I've got it wrong. Because uh, number write two it down. always. Well, yeah, maybe I should. Uh, and then he, yeah, and then when his eyes went wide and he started looking all terrified, I, I think um, it oh. freaks me out. But no, it's fine. It's a good haircut. I think it's all right. No, it looks very nice. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Your hair uh, looks good. Have you cut your hair? Yeah, yeah. I yes. thought you had. Yeah, because. Uh, yeah, I don't go very frequently because I tend to like show a picture and go, this is kind of what I want. And then and then in Italy, it seems like I've never had this experience anywhere in England and in Japan. People have always cut my hair like the picture I showed them. But in Italy, they're kind of I show them a picture it's like, well, that looks nice. Yeah. But I think um, you should try something different. And then I never come out <laughs> with the haircut I want. Um, so um, I found a new hairdresser. Oh, wow. And, uh, and are they yeah. willing to do what you want rather than what they yeah. want? Oh, they are good. from Japan. 
<laughs> okay. <laughs> so I showed them a picture like I used to do in Japan because I didn't speak Japanese and at the beginning. And so I showed them a picture and they they cut my hair. Like Very the nice. picture. Wonderful. I know. It's that simple. Do you not just go in and say, give me the Rachel? <laughs> give me the Rachel. I want the Rachel, please. Well, when I was 14, I did go to a hairdresser and asked for the... Well, I showed them a picture of Rachel Green and I kind of wanted the haircut. And <laughs> you showed them a picture. Did they go, oh, I've never seen this before. This is a new. This is new uh, for me. I'll and, give it a um, go. The guy gave me a mullet. So if you see pictures of me when I'm 14 years old, I've got a mullet. He did wow. the op- total opposite. And it was... Um, devastating i'm sorry yeah so i've never trusted a hairdresser again after that so i'm very cautious understand yeah that's fair that's well i like a mullet but i guess they're they're back they're back yeah they are back and it's scary i think it's great um well enough with the hair talk (laughs) yeah Yeah. Uh, let's talk about popular culture it's culture catch-up time this is culture catch-up time this is where we talk about what we've watched, what we've read, what we've listened to, and probably some other stuff. It's time for you to tell me what you have done. Not much. This week. Uh, Good. Moving on. <laughs> Not much. Um, yeah, so I watched um, a series on, a Japanese series on Netflix called Sanctuary. Sanctuary. Which is weird because I think there's a film that's come out called Sanctuary. I mean, probably. It's, it's what the, the hunchback of Notre Dame used to yell. Sanctuary. There's, well, there's a film of 2022 film uh, called Sanctuary. and uh, But this is not the 2022 film. This is the uh, Netflix drama called Sanctuary. Um, listeners don't know, but George knows. I love sumo. <clears throat> I have mm-hmm. dragged uh, George to see sumo wrestling competitions maybe a couple of times. Accurate. <laughs> dragged. <laughs> Were you not into it as much as I was? Um. No, yeah, I did. I like it. I yeah, like it. it's a fascinating it's sport. And uh, this Netflix series has come out and I uh, watched it all. Um, and it's about, well, the, the main character is uh, this kind of violent um, young man uh, who in, um, in Japan, they call him Yankees. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so in Japan if you have like a kid that's got like crazy hair and is a bit violent and smokes cigarettes and uh, dresses a little bit like maybe a cartoon character um, he's called a Yankee and he's kind of a Yankee and he used to be a, a judo wrestler he's not having a great time in his family um, his dad owned a sushi restaurant which doesn't really tell a reason the sushi restaurant is now closed and the kind of the family has fallen apart. And um, let's say Kiyoshi, the main character, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm, or Oze, mm-hmm. Oze. It's weird because I, I want to call him Enno and that's his uh, sumo uh, wrestler name. Um, because in, in sumo, once you um, enter a stable, you become... You change your name. Uh, but yeah, uh, he he wants... Um, like how Dwayne Johnson is the rock. Like yes, that. exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it's exactly the same thing. And um, <clears throat> he he is uh, kind of doing petty crime to kind of raise money to maybe... Op- to, well, he's doing petty crime. And uh, he gets scouted 
uh, by this stable, uh, which is weird, they call them stables, um, to uh, go become, to train to become a sumo wrestler. And it's basically the story of him being completely uh, not wanting to be a sumo wrestler, but doing it just for the money. And then him um, kind of maybe getting into this sumo wrestler world. Is he um, the size for a sumo wrestler already? Yeah, he yeah, to... yeah. He's definitely the size of a sumo wrestler. Um, it's, a, it's a fun show. It's very hard to... Um, the beginning is really hard because everybody's so unlikable. Uh, his family, his uh, well, his father is struggling, but his mother is like a terrible person. And he is very reactive. So whatever happens to him, he's really angry, the main character of Enno. Um, and, uh, but it shows um, in a very dramatic way, uh, sumo training and kind of the... Um, the, also the dark side of sumo because you know as, as spectators uh, we watch sumo we enjoy it but there's there's also like kind of like a dark side of sumo where there's a lot of a hierarchy um in in the stables but also um when it comes to any sport there is also betting and gambling and uh, people trying to make people win to win um there's lots of violent <laughs> it's very raw uh it's very it also shows like the day-to-day -day mundane things that the sumo wrestlers do so um uh, the like let's say the the oldest and best sumo wrestlers get attend they're very big so they get attended to by the younger sumo wrestlers so from cooking to cleaning butts and you see all of that. So it's a bit like, oh, <laughs> it's a bit gross. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a fascinating series. Um, even if you speak Japanese, it's quite hard to understand because the main <coughs> guy just speaks this like thick dialect that is like, rah, 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 you know, when, you know, classic Yankee kind of thick Fukuoka um dialect but it's it's fascinating and the growth of the main character is wonderful and well, the it's it's a fun series to watch i really liked it and uh, i would definitely recommend watching it sanctuary sanctuary sounds pretty yeah. good mm. yeah if you like sumo well, is wonderful this movie called sanctuary sounds pretty good as well yeah pretty pretty steamy from the sounds of it oh what does it say oh. Uh, in the wake of inheriting his father's hotel chain, Hal tries to end his long and secret relationship with Rebecca, a dominatrix. A battle of wills ensues over the course of one fortnight with Rebecca and Hal struggling to keep the upper hand. Mm. And it's uh, Christopher Abbott, who I like, and Margaret Qualley, who is uh, good as well. Mm. But neither of us have seen it. No. It just has the same name as a TV mm. series you watched. But now I want to watch it. Anyway, uh, Sanctuary on Netflix sounds good, and it looks like the episodes are only like half an hour long. Oh no, oh no, not all of them actually. Not all. Oh of no, them. they're like fifty minutes long. Oh, yeah. the episode seven is an hour. And, oh, that's weird. I just it's looked at the different... last episode, which is half an hour. Yeah, so it was really mm, crazy because mm, it's quite mm. intense. <clears throat> it's kind of like the, there's some real intensity in some episodes. There's something that happens uh, to Enno that is mm -hmm. shocking in one episode, and it, you literally have like. I couldn't breathe for a little bit. I, oh. I was, it, it, yeah. Um, it's quite raw and, uh, 
but and the last episode just like flies by because only th- 30 minutes but um yeah it's um it's good interesting yeah it does sound good like the sound mm. of it did you like did you like watching sumo yeah yeah, yeah i did yeah as much yeah. as i enjoyed any sport yeah but it was it was fun yeah, yeah it was fun it was a fun day out i liked yeah. it yeah yeah we also went to see like the uh high school sumo as well yeah we did yeah that was weird <laughs> Yeah, it was. Because uh, I think my, the, cause my school was like, had a sumo stable. It was like a real specialism in sumo, the school mm. I worked at. I think yeah. I, I saw the sumo kids from out. I remember seeing them there. Madness. 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 Um, then I watched another series that I've talked about it before on the show, but this is the last season of this series and on, still on Netflix, the last season of Working Mums. Season uh, seven uh is um it's on it's uh i'm i'm sad that i'm not gonna spend time with these mums anymore but um yeah working mums is a series uh created by katherine raitman uh also starring her about mums that have just become mums or been mums for a long time who work and struggle and drink a lot and uh, spend time together. And it sounds mm-hmm. really like limited, limitative, limitative, limited. Just limited. It's, yeah, it's, it is not, it's, yeah, it's a wonderful season, series. I really, really enjoyed it. And mm-hmm. uh, this one, uh, the season seven is a little bit unhinged. <laughs> I think they, they try to leave with a bang. And so there are moments, they're like real cringe moments, real funny moments. Um, you kind of uh, find out a little bit about the character's past and why maybe they're like that, like that. There's been some mm-hmm. evolution of characters. And um, I don't know how many seasons you watched. Uh, I th- oh, okay. Because um, I think you watched, I, t- I told you to watch an last- episode. The last one I remember is a season that ends with her touring around uh, an energy drink making company's office or something, and her son gets lost there. Mm. Maybe I'm going mad. I think it was maybe season four or five. Okay. I watched a fair amount of it. I really like it. It's good. Yeah, yeah, and 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 I'm glad they've gone a little bit rogue in season seven, uh, mm. a little bit more caricaturish. Just, just kind of say goodbye with a bang, and um, it's been good. So it's been been a good ride. I think yeah, season four. I think I started season five maybe. Mm. Um, but the last ring I really remember is uh, the season season four ends with one of them moving away to Canada. Or no, they're all yes. living in Canada, aren't they? But moving to uh, the other side of Canada. Yeah, the side of Canada. Yeah, and um, then uh, and now now well yeah, lots of stuff has happened since then. Mm, I bet, I bet. Yeah, three seasons worth of stuff, I imagine. Yes, yes, and the la the last season is only every episode is only like twenty minutes, so they're like little oh, wow. snapshots. It just goes very quickly. Yeah, mm. I'll catch up with it eventually. I liked it; it's good. People should definitely watch it. I agree with you. It's a good yeah. show. Yeah, a really good show. <clears throat> and then I uh, read a book. I oh, read a nice. book called um, Empire Land, How Imperialism Has Shaped Modern Britain by wow. Satnam Sagira. I hope I sp- pronounce his um, name right. And um, the book uh, that kind of accounts, uh, writes about the journey uh, through 
um, Britain's imperial past, how it is also uh, shaping Britain today and uh, is has shaped Britain society and how people think and uh, the politics behind it. It's um, it's a straight history book. It's very interesting. It's very scholarly and it has lots of source material. The bibliography at the end is massive. Uh, and uh, he kind of explores how also, you know, um, even though there's been a there's been an interest in understanding what the empire has done and how the empire is affecting us, we don't really know a lot about it. And I didn't know about mm. it. I was so ignorant before reading this book about so many things. And I think it should be read or not necessarily just this book, but just kind of like realizing why things are the way they are now and how mm -hmm. we are benefiting Europe in general. I'm talking about empire now, but how Europe is has benefited from uh, colonialism, uh, some more than others, and so it's a it's a it's a fascinating book. And um, sometimes I feel ashamed that I don't know a lot of stuff, <laughs> but uh, I've never I was never taught. So yeah, yeah I think cool. you, you probably know a lot more than a lot of people do. I wouldn't worry about it. Um, I've been listening to the podcast if uh, books could kill. Oh, yeah. quite a lot and uh like <clears throat> i've been it's it's amazing how like you can you can have a book with all the bibliography with somebody that has um has done his study to write a book and yeah. uh and then there are all these books that haven't done studies to write the book and they're the best sellers you know yeah, they're, they're the just... ones that like sell the most and then you have this 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 journalist uh Sagira, who has written this book which is incredible and very well researched and it's kind of like it's it's it should be read has to be read rather than men are from mars and women are from venus i listened to that episode oh yeah <laughs> oh my god oh my god i thought i knew what that book was about but no, i didn't. You didn't nobody um because no. it's those books that nobody's actually read it yeah, yeah, because you gotta you, you know the title, men are from Mars and women are from Venus, and you think, oh, I guess it's women and men are different, and that's what you think the book is about, but it's just mm. a book blaming women for being nags. Um, going back to Empire Land, is, um, mm, mm, the chapters mm. are very well structured, and uh, it kind of uh, goes chapter by chapter, uh, a different kind of um, way that colonialism has affected us and how it has affected the world. There's a chapter about uh, British museums, and it's something that I never thought about. Um, you know, when, uh, when you go to a museum and you have all these artifacts and they've been donated, yeah? And mm. for some reason, I never thought about... Donated by who? <laughs> who with the... Uh, what is uh, ancient Tibetan artifacts donated by? And it's just like they were donated by people that looted. I never, like, I don't know. It's just something that, and and he, it's just something that I never thought about. And um, and he explores the way that different countries want these artifacts back. But the the museums go, but you, I don't, I don't, we don't think you can keep the artifacts as well as we can. And that's mm. such a, 
that's such a thing. Well, we're better than you are keeping these ancient artifacts that you looted, that we looted mm. too. Uh, it's 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 interesting. It's kind of mind boggling and um, fascinating. I really enjoyed this book. Oh, um, right. It does, and, it does uh, sound good. Yeah, yeah, and that's my culture catch up. Um, because I've been listening to a lot of the podcasts that you. Oh well, we can, we can talk, talk about, about later more in homework. Yeah. Yes, and excited uh, yeah. to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah. Uh, that book sounds cool. I'd like to read it. I struggle so much with non-fiction books. Um, um but I, I which think makes me sound like a, <laughs> a baby. But um, <laughs> I don't like non-fiction. Um, it's you know, time is time is limited, isn't it? Um, yeah. Um. I quite. Um. Yeah. I've I've got this need to know everything. I think the political mm, climate mm. at the moment is so messed up around the world, and I've got mm. this thing that I want to know everything so I can just like back it up. So I'm just trying to read as much as possible about kind of like different things because, um, I. But it's I, so with non because if if books could kill makes you nervous of picking up the wrong book and it just yeah. ends up being a total waste of your time. A hundred percent. You want a book that is balanced right that leaves you yeah. to make your which sounds like what empire land is and i just was looking up and found a broadly positive review of it in the telegraph which if you read it and enjoyed it and the telegraph read it and found merit in it it must be a balanced uh you know just yeah. tells the facts and lets people make their mind up kind of thing without um, yeah it's, it's very factual so you, you yeah. decide if you think that england uh made money out of slavery you decide but if you go around london and you see all these beautiful buildings who paid for them you know <laughs> follow the money that's what i follow say. the money um <clears throat> there's one thing though that i really like there's one chapter that's called we are here because you were there and i think that oh, is yeah. i think that is especially now that in europe we're having this like well yeah. our politicians are having this toxic conversation about migration i think this is an important sentence we're here because you were there just that and shut up <laughs> because it's, it's it's becoming really toxic yeah um good would you like me to talk about what i've been doing yes please cool it's going to be more light than fluffy than mine fluffy yes broadly <laughs> uh i'm just going to talk about four one two four movies that i've watched okay uh cinema releases mm. new films get ready yeah. number one yes the boogeyman Oh, boogie. Have you heard of the boogeyman? I like to boogie. No, not that kind of boogie. Not boogie You're not called woogie. the boogeyman then? Um, yeah, the bogeyman is, is a thing, right? But this is the okay. boogeyman. Ah, does he dance Does he dance into no, your dreams? No, it's, it's spelled B-O-O-G-E-Y, boogie. Like bo- ah. I don't know. It's based on a Stephen King short story okay. from... The 70s, so, you know, an old 1973 short story. So an old short story by Stephen King. Um, I've just looked up the plot of the short story because I haven't read it, and it's it, it only bears a passing resemblance to, um, mm. to the film that's been made. But this movie has been directed by Rob Savage, um, a British film director, uh, who has made two other movies that I really enjoyed. He made the found footage covid pandemic set horror film host uh, about a seance being done over zoom mm. uh, which is a really effective like hour-long terrifying horror movie and he made a movie called dash cam 
um, which I've talked before about on the podcast, but I absolutely love Dash Cam. Uh, very sort of mm. Marmite movie uh, following a quite unpleasant person around uh, via the the dashboard camera of the car mm. they're driving. Um, anyway, Boogeyman is his first time working in the uh, like Hollywood studio system, making a... Um, you know, not a fan footage movie this time, just a straightforward studio horror movie. Um, and if you've ever heard of or seen an American horror film mm. where a nice middle-class family gets menaced in their home by some kind of an unpleasant entity, then you've seen The Boogeyman. Okay. Yeah. Not much else to say about it. I was excited to see it because I really like Rob Savage. His other two movies are like interesting and original and unique. And I enjoyed The Boogeyman well enough, but it feels very like he's been really watered down by working mm. with the studios and, and doesn't really have much uh, unique to say about it. It has a very brief Easter egg type reference to his first movie, Host, which was cool. Um, it features... So, uh, you know, broadly, you've got Dr. Whatever his name is, What's he called? Will Harper, um, played by Chris Messina. He's a guy, his wife died, very sad. He's raising two daughters, one's a teenager, one's younger than that, like seven years old. Um, and he's a psychiatrist and someone comes to him one day and says, oh my God, all my kids were murdered by a, some kind of a demon. It was awful. Everyone thinks I did it. And then he goes and hangs himself in this guy's house. Not good. Now the entity that did the killing of those children has attached itself to this family and starts to menace Sadie and Sawyer, his two daughters. Sadie, the old one played by Sophie Thatcher, who is uh, very good in Yellow Jackets mm. and was in the book of Boba Fett um, last year. And she's she's I like Sophie Thatcher. She's good and she's good as the lead in this movie. Um, and it does all, of, you know, it's got a few pretty good jump scares. It. I read a I read a, an interview of the director a few weeks ago where they said that when they did test screenings, the bit where the monster is kind of unveiled for the first time caused such reactions from the audience that that people missed important dialogue immediately afterwards. So they had to build in like a forty second buffer between the reveal and the dialogue. Oh, okay. to, and I was looking out for that moment. You never really get. There's no reveal <laughs> of the monster. You never see it. Okay. And when you do the the very close to the end of the movie, when you properly see it. It's nothing to write home about. So I don't... I really wanted to like it and be. I was really excited to see it and it ended up just being a bit of nothing. Mm. <sighs> what a disappointment. No. Mm. Um. So that was that's The Boogeyman. I wouldn't necessarily recommend... When it hits streaming and if it, it'll pop up on Netflix or something, if you're really bored, give it a watch. But it's not going to... No one's going to remember it in a year. Um. On the other hand... People will remember this, uh, but not necessarily for good reasons, but because of the inevitable sequels it's getting. Uh, the film Fast 10. Oh. Yes, the 10th Fast and Furious movie, or 11th if you count the spin off Hobson Shaw. <laughs> Exciting. Um, yeah. So. This is the this is the continuing saga of uh, Vin Diesel's Dominic Toretto and his family of car thieves slash international spies. Mm. How's you, what's your relationship with the Fast and Furious movies? I I have no relationship at all. Like Good. I know there are cars in it, and I know 
knows Vin Diesel is in them. Vin Diesel is and in the, them. And then the guy that Paul Walker? Paul Walker. All right. Was in them. Yeah. But then I don't know anything about them. So like I've never seen any. But you know, I really, I really there's some of them are amazing and some of them are not so good. Um they're worth watching, dumb fun nonsense. The first movie, The Fast and the Furious, back in two thousand and one, I think, follows FBI agent um Brian something, played by Paul Walker, who infiltrates a gang of street racers who at night go out and use their souped-up street racing cars to rob. No, because they do the street racing night. So I guess in the daytime, they go out and use their souped-up street racing cars <laughs> to hijack wow. and rob. In, during the day? Yeah, during the day, to wow. hijack and rob um, HGVs, heavy goods vehicles, that are driving yeah. across you know big desert-type Route 66 to place remote areas of highway. Uh, and yeah. in the original movie, they're robbing these trucks to steal um dvd and vhs players so that's how long ago wow <laughs> that movie came out and then what sell them in the black on the black market i guess sell them on the black market i guess nobody um, knows but it's in the end in the end paul walker realizes that he loves vin diesel um like a brother oh. Uh, and and sort of teams up with him, and then over the cut by the by Fast Five, they're in Rio de Janeiro, and they're heisting a safe from a drug kingpin, um, and they heist the safe by a, it's this huge enormous you know it's it's massive it's as big as a room. They they drive two cars into the police station. The safe's being kept in, and they they attach chains to either side of the safe, and then they just drag it out. And there's a there's an amazing action scene where they're there dragging this enormous safe through the streets of Rio de Janeiro and it's smashing into buildings and pancaking police cars and all sorts of things. Uh, and that is the highlight of the series. Fast Five is the best one. After Fast Five, they're like, we've got to keep increasing it. So Kurt Russell turns up playing basically a CIA agent and, and, Kurt and recruits Russell. them. Kurt Russell wow. recruits them to be uh, spies and international now it's because it turns into Mission Impossible with cars at that point and they're driving wow. cars out of skyscrapers in Dubai to smash into other skyscrapers in Dubai. They're they're sending cars into space. They're driving <laughs> tanks. They're stealing nuclear submarines. Helen Mirren turns up. Jason Statham turns up. What? Charlie's Ferron turns up. It's madness. Sheer crazy madness. Then very tragically, Paul Walker dies. But but they they keep going. They use CGI and his brothers to construct the end of his performance in Fast and Furious Seven. Everyone gets very sad. Wiz Khalifa does a song about it. Yes. Um, does he die actually in the in the film? No, he he no. It's he sort of goes. I want to be I want to be a dad now to my kid, and I'm going to drive off into the sunset while this very sad song plays. And then he drives off into the sunset and Vin Diesel drives off in the other direction to continue having adventures. And then in each subsequent movie, there'll be a bit where when it's getting really intense and dangerous and the bad guys are coming for them, Vin Diesel will be like, is Brian okay? Is he okay? And somebody will go, yeah, he's good. gone into hiding with his kid. He's fine. And that's <laughs> it's kind of all, all you get. And they do it again in this movie. Wow. Um, yeah, so that's... and So that brings us to Fast 10. Fast yes. 10... It was going to be directed by Justin Lin, who's directed some of the best entries in the series. Like a week into production, Justin Lin quit the production. Pretty intense times. They ended what? up replacing. Yeah, they ended up replacing him with Louis Leterrier, who directed the uh, Transporter movies. 
not a very good director. Um, you know, very much a workman-like director, just churns out an action movie when you hire mm. him. Whereas Justin Lin has a bit more flair and, uh, you know, can, can construct interesting action sequences. So it was a bit of a blow to lose Justin Lin, but it sounded like... I mean, the behind-the-scenes nonsense of the Fast and Furious movies is wild. That We've got all these... They have, like, contracts where they're only allowed to... It stipulates in their contract that they're not allowed to take more punches than somebody else in a scene. So that it ended up with The Rock and Vin Diesel having these fights where they had to take an exact equal number of hits... Uh, and what? neither of them could be could be seen to win to protect the egos of the people involved. That ended in, in Dwayne Johnson uh, quitting the franchise and then Vin Diesel and Dwayne Johnson having big, like, genuine... Like, it ended with, with um, the Dwayne Johnson, like, having a go at Vin Diesel's children or so, like, really getting personal with each other over social media. Um, over what? Uh, so yeah. Because of punches? Well, because of egos, like, like um, I think oh. Vin, uh, Dwayne Johnson called Vin Diesel a candy ass at some point. Vin Diesel fired back with some bizarre nonsense. That it, is and it, weird. It, like, these yes. are big men. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then yeah, they yeah. say the women are emotional. Uh, well, yeah. And women are petty. Like, look at these two big dudes, like, going, Ew, you can't punch me more than I can punch you. Yeah, what? yeah. And, and Jason, there's a scene as well where Jason Statham and The Rock have a fight in one of them, and they, they fall through glass the same exact number of times and stuff like that. It's very stupid. <gasps> anyway. But, 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 but who's the main, like, who's the person that, it, does it say who's the one that decided this? Is it like Jason Statham or? or I think it'll be. I think it'll Dwayne have been. Vin, I think it'll have been Vin Diesel, and then, uh, I think Vin Diesel and Dwayne Johnson both have oh, astonishingly Vin is like huge Wayne, Dwayne egos. Dwayne Johnson are they pretty much the same kind of type of human? A little bit, but Dwayne Johnson is definitely a bigger man than Vin Diesel. But Vin Diesel doesn't like that, so they have to have this like equal. How ass. weird! It's, it's How very weird. silly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because before all of that, in Fast and Furious 5, the first one that Jane Johnson, Dwayne Johnson is in, Vin Diesel and Dwayne Johnson have a fight that is so well done. Anyway, doesn't matter. Okay. At the end of Fast 5, they kill the drug kingpin that um, they were robbing the, the, the safe from. They throw him off a bridge or something. This movie, Fast 10, opens, boom, they're all together as a family. They all love each other. Charlie's Ferron, who's the bad guy from like two movies ago, she turns up at Vin Diesel's home oh. and she's like, I met the devil tonight. And you're like, oh my God. Cut to... Jason Momoa, he's the new bad guy. Turns oh. out Jason Momoa is the son of the drug kingpin from Fast Five and he's back Ooh. now for revenge. Uh, he's turned into the Joker in the meantime. He wears all this insane flamboyant clothing <laughs> and giggles and laughs and he's covered in rings. And frankly, I love him. He's the best thing in the world. Jason Momoa <laughs> is so good. And he's all over this movie being utterly bizarre and weird. Um, yeah. To the point where it's not had very good reviews, this one, and there's been reports that Vin Diesel is furious with Jason Momoa because he thinks his overacting has re- has re- resulted in these bad reviews. You know, if you read the bad reviews, most of them are like, Jason Momoa's pretty great in it, but the movie... Mm. Uh, and who knows how true that is. But anyway, Jason Momoa's going after them. There's a sequence in Rome where where um, Jason Momoa has... There's this enormous bomb that's in a huge sphere. We're talking 15 feet high big ball and it's just storming through the streets of Rome smashing through buses and buildings and all sorts of things it's a bomb it ends up blowing up the Vatican um and uh <laughs> the Vatican Vin, yeah Vin or Saint wow. Paul yeah uh, Saint Paul's is it Saint Paul's yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah blows up almost blows up Saint Paul's but instead blows up just a huge chunk of Rome 
Um, just dis- wow. just demo- just destroys it. Absolutely savages it. Um, Vin Diesel and his mates get blamed. Michelle Rodriguez gets taken off to a CIA black site where she spends the rest of the film. Uh, Vin Diesel runs off on his own and and ends up with Brie Larson for Brie Larson turns Brie up Larson. in this. Brie Larson's in this movie playing Kurt Russell's daughter. Um, uh, the rest of the t- ludicrous and um, uh, what's his what's his name Tyrese Gibson and um, Sung Kang. Sung Kang plays a character called Han Solo, but Soul spelled Soul as in because he's Korean, so Seoul like the city in Korea, Han Solo. Um, oh, mate. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Who who died in the third movie, but was ah. then, then they wanted to bring him back, so then officially the, like, the fourth, fifth, and sixth movies all take place before the third movie, which is doesn't work, so eventually they were just like, actually, you know what, he survived the assassination attempt. What? Yeah, madness. Anyway, they're all off in London trying to trying to find a way to deal with it all. Meanwhile, Jason Momoa is running around. John Cena is in this. Uh, uh with with uh, spends the whole movie driving what? across America with Vin Diesel's son, uh, the character's son. It's got it just it's got Sounds so much insane. going on. It's mad. It's absolute madness. I don't know how I've been talking about it for so long. I'm sorry. I don't know. The 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 ultimate upshot of it all is that. The next film is supposed to be the final ever one. This one they want to be like the big setup for the huge showdown that's coming. Um, so it ends with this ridiculous cliffhanger. They're trying to do this like Avengers Infinity War thing, but uh. it just it's just stupid. It's so stupid the way this movie finishes. It's got this real. It's like in the Dark Knight when the Joker's like, "Oh, you survived that, Batman." Well, I bet you didn't realize I had another plan for you straight away. Jason Momoa was doing that throughout the whole movie, just constantly <laughs> being like, "Oh, you thought you beat me, but actually, I knew you were gonna do oh that." Oh my god! Now I've got look at these bombs. You didn't know these bombs were here, did you? Sounds Absolute amazing. madness. It's kind of I wish it was amazing, but be- I think because of the direction from Louis Leterrier, the whole thing feels really flat and lifeless, mm. and it's a real disappointment. And I'm 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 a bit I'm yeah I it's it's kind of all right it's watchable but it, it you know it's two hours and twenty minutes long and it's not entertaining for that period of time um and it's most notable for a couple of uh, wild cameos at the end um that i won't spoil here for anyone anyway uh. nonsense load of nonsense real disappointment but never mind anyway up next bo is afraid yes bo is afraid yes ari astor He's afraid of. It turns out, Bo is afraid of everything. Oh, there's nothing like that it. Bo is not afraid of. Um, this is the Ari Aster's third movie. Ari Aster being uh, the director of Hereditary, Masterpiece, Midsummer, Masterpiece. Mm-hmm. He's done the thing a lot of directors do when they make a couple of masterpieces in a row, uh, and just made whatever he wants to make next. They, they he obviously got a basically not a blank check, but he got a create complete creative freedom from A twenty four to make whatever. Whatever film he wanted, he got a Oscar winner to come along for the ride in Joaquin Phoenix to play the titular Bo. Bo is a man who lives in a world not in, not entirely unlike ours, but also completely unlike ours. Because when viewed through the lens of Bo's eyes, the world seems like a truly scary and terrifying place where even crossing, crossing the road outside your apartment to go to the shop could result in a naked man attempting to stab you repeatedly. It is. It's a uh, very scary place. It it is. Um, Bo. <laughs> Bo quite simply wants to go and visit his mum. 
Yes. And at the start of the movie, he's talking to his therapist about how he's going to do this. And um, he's just he's just going to get a plane and he's going to go and visit his mother. And the therapist is like, you sure that's a good idea after the last time? And Bo's like, yeah, you know, it's it's okay. It's been a long time. And the therapist's like, it's been a couple of months. And that sort of leads us into the world of Bo, who's just um, filled with anxiety and uh, terror at all times. What then proceeds to happen is one of the strangest films I've ever seen. Mm. It's three hours long. Wow. And um, as I think Ari Aster said this in an interview before it came out, it turns the simple act of going home to visit his mum into a Lord of the Rings-esque epic journey. Uh, where he must overcome a wide variety of different challenges. Um, every single conceivable thing that could go wrong does go wrong. It starts with him, first of all, having no sleep. I'll spoil a couple of things that happen very early on in the movie. Feel free to skip ahead a few minutes if you don't want to spoil them. But I want to watch it too. Well, this is like the first few minutes, okay. just to set up the plot. He wants to go okay. and visit his mum. He's got a flight the next day, but he doesn't get any sleep because... Um, his neighbour is playing music unpleasantly loud, but then also seems to keep slipping a note under Bo's door saying, please, can you turn the music down? Um, which Bo isn't playing any music, uh, leading to a lot of confusion. Then the next morning, he's overslept, he's rushing out the door. Uh, he puts his key in the door to lock the door and he takes his suitcase out into the landing of his apartment block he lives in. But then he realises he's forgotten something. He runs back to get his ticket or something. And when he gets back, his key's gone and his bag's gone. And um, what do you do in that situation? He can't lock his apartment anymore. He's not got his bag. Um, he he panics. He doesn't know what to do. And from there, it just spirals and spirals and spirals and spirals and spirals and spirals and spirals into sheer mad insanity. Uh, a very controversial, not controversial movie, but like a polarizing film. Some people absolutely hate this movie. Uh, some people really love it. It's It's not the kind of un... It's not the it's not the uncontested triumph that like hereditary was, mm. but I think that Ariaster probably would have expected that. He think he's aware enough of his own work to realize that he was making something that wasn't going to be for everyone. Um, but I enjoyed it. I liked feeling uncomfortable and mm. unnerved throughout. I liked not at any point knowing what was going to happen next. And that it, even though it's three hours long, it does move with a pace. It does continually, because it's a journey, he is mm. constantly moving to new locations and new environments and strange, odd things are constantly happening. And Joaquin Phoenix is fully engaged in the role. Like, he gives him a, a really good performance. It's not a film. So, you know, Hereditary, Tony Collette helps to make that movie what it is. Yeah. Midsummer, Florence Pugh helps make that movie what it is. Like he's very good at casting at least in one key role, someone absolutely amazing who turns mm. in an incredible performance. And Joaquin Phoenix fully capable of doing that in this movie. Um, you know, over yeah, Amy Ryan turns up for a while, she's really good. Nathan Lane is really good in this film. Um Richard Kind in a very small role, but he's very good. Uh Stephen McKinley Henderson from if who you might know from Dune. Uh, plays his therapist. Uh, he he in Dune he plays the human computer character that is sort of gives statistics to uh okay. the Duke Leto. Um, yeah, I I it's it's weird. It's hard to say much more without spoiling it. But um, it is a very fascinatingly odd movie. It seems to it want you to be unhappy with it when you're watching it. Um, it 
it it it has so many upsettingly tense and anxious sequences um but as well as something there's one scene in the middle where he ends up um observing a observing a theatre production in the woods and then you see a lot of this production and it's um kind of this amazing trippy like the bits in the trailer you might have seen where like it gets a bit animated and stuff like that they all come mm. from this one sequence and it's it's pretty stellar uh stuff it also has you know it, it does have a handful of very silly there's some stuff there's some elements of it that almost push over into being a bit too silly and irritating mm. for its own good but again i feel like that's by design so yeah i liked it it's not for everyone but um I think it will definitely find an audience, and I'd recommend that people people ch- people check it out. Especially if you like to, if you like if you like art films or surreal mm. movies, if you like Ari Aster's previous work, there's no reason not to try it out. Some people have called it a career-ending movie. I don't think that that's true at all. What? I think that, yeah, enough people will enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, some like it, this movie has. There are some people that have been very thoroughly rubbed the wrong way by this film, in um in a really serious manner. But uh no, I thought it was good. But is there a reason why? Um, I think because it, 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 because it, it actively, it actively works to alienate its own audience. Like it tries to upset the people watching it. Um, is it because that maybe all of us have felt in that kind of way somehow and we don't want to recognize it? There's, there's possibly that angle to it, but then there's also the angle of like, you know, I, I laughed at the movie, but it's definitely... I feel like his talent doesn't necessarily lie in comedy. Some of the comedy in this movie is a bit infantile um, mm. and not necessarily what you expect from someone that made such mature work as, like, Hereditary or something. Yeah. Like but, okay. you know, it's three hours long. It's got... There's a lot of flavours on offer. So mm. if you don't like what you're seeing, wait a couple of minutes and there'll be something else for you. <laughs> Uh, and some of it is so like you know you'll you'll know you'll some of it is so in, inexplicable and weird that I, I had to you know give it that anyway the last film i want to talk about today is uh, a big one it is the latest superhero extravaganza to take over cinemas Ooh. it is spider-man across the spider-verse oh i didn't realize it was out oh uh, yeah it is I'm, I'm sorry um it is out it's a Big deal. It is the sequel to Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which you've seen, right? Yes. Yeah, so next week we're doing our top five Spider-Man movies, so I'm sure mm-hmm. there'll be more time to discuss them. Um, but yeah, sequel to Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse is now the middle part of what is confirmed to be a trilogy with Spider-Man Ooh. Beyond the Spider-Verse hitting cinemas next year, so we don't have too long to wait for the next one. Um, this is written by Phil Lord and Christopher Miller and David Callahan. Uh Phil Lord and Christopher Miller famously from making 21 Jump Street and then the Lego, involved in the Lego movie. And, you know, they are good. Mm. They're good. They know what they're doing. Directed by uh, Joaquin Dos Santos, Kemp Powers and Justin K. Thompson. Like, you know, animations tend to have, you know, multiple directors attached. Um, follows the continuing adventures of Miles Morales, Spider-Man, um, mm. as he discovers more and more about the, the dimension traveling uh, capabilities of being spider-man um but you know this has got a big cast so we've got shameek moore plays miles morales or spider-man Haley steinfeld plays gwen stacy spider-woman she's back 
Uh, and in fact, the movie opens with a real focus on her character. She has a big role in this movie. And, you know, Hayley Steinfeld gives a really good performance, uh, mm. as does Shamik Moore. Shamik Moore's awesome. Um, Miles's parents have a really big, key, important role in this movie. Brian Tyree Henry, who you'll know from um, yeah. the show Atlanta, plays um, plays uh, Captain, or not yet Captain, but Jefferson Morales, uh, Miles's uh, father, who's a police officer, uh, Luna Lauren Velez, who I didn't realize from um, Dexter uh, years ago, plays Rio Morales, Miles' mother. Mm. Then you got Jake Johnson returning as Peter B. Parker, the Spider Man that um, mentored Miles in the previous movie. Uh, the big, the, one of the big villains in this movie is the Spot, who's voiced by Jason Schwartzman, who gives a, an awesome performance. Oh, I love that. Um, yeah, he's. Uh, he's all the way through, I was like, I re- I really recognise that voice and I really recognise mm. it as something I enjoy. And then at the end, I was like, oh, of course, it's Jason. Uh, Issa Rae plays Jessica Drew or Spider-Woman. Oh, wow. Yeah, uh, she's very good. Uh, Karen Sony, who is um, uh, an Indian-American actor who um, is in the uh, Deadpool movies as Dupinda, uh, but has popped up in a bunch of other stuff as well. Um, he plays um, Pavitar Prabhakar, who is uh, mm. the Indian Spider-Man. Um, he's really good. He's like really, really good. Uh, there's a whole sequence set in um, Mumbatton, which is like Mumbai slash Manhattan. Mm. Um, really good stuff. Daniel Kaluuya plays Spider Punk or Hobie, um, who's a Spider Man that's a total punk, lives in a fascist Britain, uh, and uses his guitar to fight bad guys. Oscar Isaac plays Miguel O'Hara, who's Spider Man from the year twenty ninety nine. It, the list goes on and on and on. Andy Samberg is in this as the Scarlet Spider, and he's very, very funny. Mm. Um, it's, it's. I mean, it's, it's got a. There's a. There's a lot. There's a lot of Spider Mans in this movie. Um, we learn. We follow Miles Morales is a year older. He's still grinning with being Spider Man. He's he's struggling with it with explaining his uh, inability to focus on schoolwork and his and the rest of his life to his parents because he mm. keeps disappearing to do Spider Man things. Uh, meantime, Gwen Stacy has been um, recruited by uh, Spider-Woman, Jessica Drew and uh, Miguel O'Hara into the Spider-Verse, uh, this interdimensional task force of Spider-Men who are all working together to deal with all of the anomalies that have been created by the Kingpin's um, big dimensional wow. blast thing from the last movie. Uh, so they're travelling to all these other dimensions and it opens with this one in Gwen Stacy's dimension the vulture has fallen in, but it's a vulture from like a Renaissance-inspired Italian dimension, um, mm. and he's drawn like the the what makes this movie so good is the animation style changes depending on what what dimension you're in. Oh. So this and the 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 characters retain their animation style when they move into another dimension. So in Gwen Stacy's dimension, she's suddenly fighting this vulture that looks like he's drawn on a an old piece of parchment. These black clear black lines in the style of like a Da Vinci drawing and the vulture's whole costume and, and and all his gadgets and stuff look like they've been designed by da vinci uh in, in wow. you know in, in the style of his sort of old uh, drawings uh looks really really cool and interesting spider punk looks like he's been drawn on old pieces of newspaper and and stuff like that because it, it's it's the animation is incredible it's one of the most well animated movies i've ever seen spider-man into the spider-verse the last one opened up a door for like all animation you know lots of animations mm. to attempt new and interesting ways of delivering um animation styles 
uh, like the uh, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish recently with the storybook style that it used, and mm. um, even the, the Mitchells versus the Machines uh, a oh, year yeah. or so ago changed up its animation style throughout the film. I really like that we're in this age now where not everything wants to look like Pixar or DreamWorks, like especially Sony Pictures Animation is really trying new things and Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse really pushes it. It's a long film. It's two hours and 20 minutes long. I think I've worked out it makes it the longest animated movie ever to come out of America. There's like a couple of Japanese wow. anime films that are longer, but other than that, it's, it's up there. Um, but it works. It kept me hooked for the whole film. I really, really, really loved it. And it is fully and completely only capable of existing because of the sheer number of Spider-Man things that have been made over the years, because it is free to reference and pull in all mm. of them and count all of them as canonical. There are references to Andrew Garfield, there are references to Tobey Maguire, oh, wow. there are references to Tom Holland, there's references to Tom Hardy's Venom movies. There's any Every single corner of the Spider-Man world is, is looked at and picked at in, in this movie, and it's incredibly... As a, as a big Spider-Man fan, you know, there's, you know, if you've played the Spider-Man game on PS4, there's but there'll be a moment in it for you. If you've watched the mm. recent Spider-Man cartoons, there's a moment in it for you. If you if you if you've absorbed any Spider-Man related content at all, other than the film Morbius, which it broadly ignores, um, you will <laughs> have something. There'll be some little moment or Easter egg that you can pick up on, but mm. at the same time, the story holding it all together is incredibly f- considered and well thought out and interesting, and not just good guy versus bad guy it really examines what makes a, a villain a villain <sighs> it's great so we know what's your number one for next week then not necessarily but it's it's <laughs> it's good it's really good but there have been some really good spider-man films mm. already right like it's tough it's yeah. really tough but it's it, it i cannot wait to see spider-man beyond the spider-verse next year because um you know the stuff oh, they're already of, releasing it next year yeah, yeah, they've made these two back to back, so we don't have long to wait for the um, oh. yeah, the end of this trilogy. Oh, yeah, nice. good stuff, really good stuff. A lo- yeah, 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 yeah. Um, that's all my culture catch up. Wonderful. Yeah, let's do that's some homework. Good. Sit down at the back, and be quiet, and get out your book because it's time to discuss your homework. No. You go first. You had to watch Laputa uh, Castle in the Sky and you can update me on any podcast you'd be listening to as well. Um, yeah, so I had to watch Laputa Castle in the Sky, which is uh, 1986? Yeah, 1986 Studio Ghibli uh, film. <laughs> Weirdly, uh, Miyazaki got the name Laputa from uh, Gulliver's Travels. Oh, Right, okay. But he didn't realize that he found out later that la puta also means whore in Spanish. And so <laughs> he was a little bit ashamed of the title. So, um, yeah, um, <laughs> just fair, a little fun fact. Plan. And um, it's uh, you talked about it very well last week, uh, last week, but it's a boy um living in this mining town, uh, this wonderful mining town with no trees. Um, uh, one day uh, sees this girl uh, floating down from the sky and um, this girl, Shita, get, is being chased by pirates, uh, which you think they're the bad guys. But then he, um, then we find out later that she's getting chased by the army and the government and uh, secret agents and everybody. And uh, they, uh, he... 
well, they start this adventure escaping people, not the pirates though, because then they become good people, uh, to find this um, island, this floating island where Sheeta comes from, uh, an island where um, there's no more civilization anymore. I don't know why I've never watched it. I guess I guess it looks um it's quite it's very old school. It's nineteen eighty six and it just mm-hmm. reminded me of the cartoons I used to watch when I was a kid. Maybe that's why I skipped it. And um the animation is wonderful. The 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 I, I quite like the we were talking about the steampunk kind of thing. Mm. Um they the they have the pirates are uh, you know they've got these incredible costumes and uh, it's um, it's very beautiful to look at and uh, when in the at the beginning in the scenes where they're they're um, they are escaping the pirates and they're just on this train track with all these buildings in rocks it's just wonderful it's just yeah. a wonderful world and uh, it's uh, and it kind of then kind of um, is a bit uh, is opposed to Laputa, which is like beautiful and green and wonderful. It's kind of like the opposite. Mm. It's um yeah, it's that's really beautiful. The story is wonderful. Um, it's all about greed <laughs> again and uh, trying to. A it's all about theme for Studio Ghibli. Uh, yeah, greed and trying to like achieve something because you want, not necessarily because you you want to nurture it and make it you know accessible to everybody but because you want it because of your greed so um it's yeah and i felt like it was really felt here um in this film uh, especially with those secret agents those horrible horrible secret agents um and um and it kind of it shows it shows also the different uh, kind of levels of evil like the pirates do what they do because of you know um they're not evil but they do it because it's kind of what they need to do to like survive whilst mm-hmm. like the secret agents are like horrible beings um um i really liked the scene where the the big robot um, I think he feels Sheeta coming, and he is destroyed under in a in a basement, mm-hmm. and he's a robot, but inside is like, is alive. So it looks like plants when he's trying to reconnect, and I think it was such a because it could just be a robot, but it's not a real robot. It's outside. It's got like the, it's a robot, but inside is organic, mm-hmm. and I really like that. It's it's wonderful. I really enjoyed it. I really really liked it. I think is a it's a it's a very deep again wonderful film. Good. I'm glad you yeah. watched it finally then and enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. I would yeah. have been surprised think, if you had not enjoyed it. Well, yeah. There's one Studio Ghibli that I really enjoy, which I should watch. Is Ponyo. I need to watch it again. I didn't mm. like it. Interesting. Yeah, I watched. I haven't seen it, but I watched. I watched the trailer for it this morning. Uh, coincidentally, I thought it looked good. Yeah, maybe I need to watch it again. Mm. Um. Yeah, it might be good, but yeah, no, I really liked uh, Laputa, and it kind of uh, remind like took me back to kind of the animation of when I was a kid. So I really yeah, like that. That's what I like so much about it is because it's an older yeah. one. It, I think the animation's got a real simple, elegant quality to it. Yeah, mm. yeah, good choice. Thank you. 
Um, what about a podcast update? Ah, podcast update. So I've I've been listening more to, uh, if books could kill. I listen to Men Are from Mars, Women Are from Venus. Fascinating, so yeah. amazing that you this <clears throat> title has been in my life pretty much since I've started thinking and and i didn't know that that what that book was about Mm -hmm. um and then i listened to uh the love languages the five love languages bizarre bizarre because um if you if you're in tiktok uh there's lots of like videos are going oh my love language is this yeah, and, yeah, my, yeah. and I did I didn't I was like when does this love language start and apparently it's been around for a very long time I didn't know about it mm. and it's just complete and utter claptrap it's absolute <laughs> and I didn't Probably realize there was... and again like <laughs> women are from Mars men are from Mars women are from Venus again it's got this undercurrent of like women be dumb yeah don't nag your husband. It's like, it's like, why are these men writing what? these books? And then, what? <laughs> and in love languages, I was like, why are you limiting yourself to one love language, first of all? And then what the hell is that? And I didn't realize, I, I think it's, I, I think it's more of an American thing. I think mm. these books are very kind of, um, you know, I don't know. Cause I didn't, didn't you know about love languages before you listen to the podcast? <sighs> only, only as much as I've seen that phrase on social media of people. My yeah. love, my, but like I've, I've seen the memeified version where it's like, my love language is throwing eggs at a duck. I don't know. Like some, <laughs> some, some, some absurd statement. Uh, that's the point at which it's intersected with my area yeah. of the internet, if that makes sense. Yeah. Then I, uh, yeah, I, I just don't get it. But then I listened to the game. Oh, I've read the game. I read the game. Why? Um, I don't know now. <laughs> I read it when I was about uh, 19. I must have been yeah. about 19. Um, and I, I remember reading it and being like, I, these, this is... I read it on the recommendation of a friend who I had a lot of uh, respect for. Uh, okay. Do I know that but, friend? Uh, no, no. Uh, okay. But... Um, but but I remember reading it and, and, and sort of being like, this is a horrible way to look at women and people and to view the world. Yes. Bad book, I reckon, the game. Yes. Yeah, and that's it. I think I, I listened to the one in Freakonomics as well, which I found oh, yeah. scary. Freakonomics is something that it's kind of like affecting actually, like a, a book that affects actual society yeah well but listen, then but then men are from mars and be women are from venus i think affected how we women are because like oh you're a nag it's like okay fine can i ask you to do something that is just like no you're nagging me why don't you why don't, what what's the thing because it's yeah if you say uh, can oh, you can, can you, you they'll be like can yeah i can but i'm not going to you have to yeah, say would you would you good lord grow up i really enjoyed um Hillbilly Elegy is an interesting one. Okay. Because it's the origin story of like an actual American politician who's quite popular now. Uh, or okay. big. Rich Dad, Poor Dad is quite a good one. Yeah. Um, and then if you, about ones that have actually affected the world, uh, Nudge, the two-parter on the book Nudge, is um, mm. fascinating because that like okay. influenced government policy in countries all over the world and it's a load of bollocks. Um oh. But it's yeah. scary, isn't it? It's scary that we have these books out and we have like this like crap out and it actually affects how we live. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I just mm-hmm. I just didn't mm-hmm. get that. Co- like the first one I listened to was like, mm. and then 
the more I listen to them, the more like, oh God, this is <laughs> this is terrifying. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. we terrifying. Um, but yeah, definitely a podcast to listen to. It's, yeah. Um, and sometimes they're really funny as well. They've got a right, really nice, like real, real good connection. And so yeah, they're both they're just... uh, like the guy. What are they called? Um, Michael. So Michael Hobbs is very like. Um, he's very intense and passionate, and he gets quite yeah. loud and worked up. Yeah. And then Peter Shamshiri is very dry like really yeah. really really dry and sarcastic yeah. and they yeah. they blend together really really yeah. well one of them reminds me of you like sometimes i go over, over the top and you go okay and then change <laughs> it's like oh shit that's what i do <laughs> uh yeah fair enough um see but <laughs> well, okay <laughs> move on <laughs> moving along um, up, Alex. uh don't forget yeah. about Maintenance phase. Michael Hobbs's other podcast is is okay. You should, you yeah. Should, if you're enjoying Biff books with kill, you should go to a maintenance phase as well. Yeah. Uh, and then, like surprise of surprise, I started listening to Worlds Beyond Number. Oh yeah. And uh, fascinating, ridiculous. It's so good. Yeah. Like I spent hours. Uh, I've had a bit of a like a, a, a like a artist block and kind of be like, woo. Um, but uh, I. I started listening to it and then after two hours I did like like a drawing and then I just carried on listening to them and they're they're amazing they'd like they're doing a so world beyond numbers is what like a board no not board game what do you tabletop call them? role-playing game thank you tabletop ro- role-playing game and uh well worlds uh, beyond number isn't a tabletop role-playing game no no so so world's <laughs> Beyond Number is a podcast about yes. uh, four people yes. uh, playing a role, tabletop role-playing game. Yes. And uh, they're, they're in this world and stuff happens. Yes. And I don't usually, I don't, sometimes I don't know what's happening because <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> what particularly, I, I, any bits that particularly stood out as confusing that I can help elucidate or. I don't know because it's it's it. Well, first of all, like, are they going off a script, mm, or are so, they pl- are, are they? Because I don't play tabletop. That's why I'm confused. Because I yeah, don't yeah, play yeah. tabletop role playing games. Yeah. So I assume they are, are rolling dice, but we don't hear them rolling dice. But sometimes you do hear them rolling dice. They're so only rolling confused. dice, really. They're only rolling dice when. Uh, Brennan, who's the 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 game master, will yeah. tell them to roll for, uh, look or roll for uh, perception yeah. or something. The rest of the time, what it so the the world, the sort of Ghibli inspired world that that because yeah. this world's beyond number is going to be a whole load of games they're going to play together and to tell stories. But the first one is the Wizard, the Witch, and the Wild one, which ah, okay, is set yeah. in this world that that they have made. Like Brennan has Brennan Lee Mulligan, who's a very yeah, very intelligent person has d- created this world in collaboration mm. with Erica Ishii, Abria Iengar and Lou Wilson, who are the other three hosts to have this adventure in. And he mm. has, he's come up with the world, the characters, the, 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 the map, the magic, everything that exists in this world is, is kind of from their heads. 
they've yeah. agreed they'll have agreed off mic this is my understanding they'll have agreed off mic the basic shape of the story they want to tell okay brandon will then go off and come up with the set pieces and the things that that can happen in an episode yeah but then when they sit down to record together it's it it, it kind of is is this improv there's no script it's almost improvisational where lou erica and abria the pre-characters they're playing they will react to and decide on things to do and have conversations that will yeah. impact and influence the direction the story moves in and Which brandon just has to improvise insane. yeah it's, it's an Which incredible is insane yeah it's, it's incredible isn't it it's insane and it's so entertaining and they're so emotional about it they're really invested in it mm-hmm. and it's fascinating and i don't understand everything because <laughs> i fantasy for me is like a different you know I, i'm not very good with that but they're so they're so engaging that i i'm it's really fun to listen to them and you know there are some things that happened and i got sad you know um they had a fight in episode three or four oh on, the boat. on the boat yeah yeah but then I got confused there. I was like, "What happened? Are they dead? Who's dead? Who's not dead?" So the like, way the way so because a... so they're using Dungeons and Dragons Fifth Edition as their like engine that's powering their game. Okay. And in Dungeons and Dragons Fifth Edition, when you have a fight, if you run out of hit points, you have to start yeah. rolling. Uh, I can't remember what they call it, but you have to roll dice each time it mm. comes around to your turn again, and it's a mm. twenty-sided dice. If you if you roll between one and ten, that's a critical fail or it's a fail. Okay. Uh, and if you roll between uh, eleven and twenty, then it's a success. If you roll three fails first, um, then your character dies permanently. If you roll three successes first, your character stabilizes and can't fight anymore. He's still at zero HP, but he's in a coma basically. And when the battle okay. ends, can be can be revived and healed up, um, which leads at genuine stakes. Because characters yeah. can just die, and then they have to just the story just has to kind of, yeah, improvise around this character suddenly being on. But nobody died. Nobody died. It was it was uh, it's it's a funny fight because it starts off with um, I can't remember the name of the characters. There's there's um Ursulon's the wild one. Yeah. Um, and then I can't remember the wizard and the witch, but uh, Erica, who's the, who's the witch, she mm. tries to like, blow powder in the face of this thing that's attacking her yeah. to try and make it sneeze. Yeah. Uh, and Braddon, who's the DM, is basically just like, no, that's not. It's that that does nothing, and he he kills you immediately. And it's a really intense moment. And then they start dropping character a little bit and being like, "What are you doing? This is the first combat we've been yeah, in." Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And it's, yeah. you can tell they all really get on, and they are genuinely friends, and they love each yeah. other. And it's a, it is. Yeah, I'm glad you're enjoying it. I was, I was in, I wasn't sure whether you'd get into it so i'm glad you have to they must be like and they have no embarrassment of being emotional or saying whatever they want to say they're so free which yeah, is it's quite wonderful yeah i i do enjoy that about it bloody hell having that mind would be incredible mm. yeah 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 no i'm really enjoying it and it's helping me a lot like trying to be creative so it's, it's a pretty good podcast Oh. very long though it's like episodes are like between one hour and a half and two hours yeah but i mean 
uh, in this genre of what's called actual play podcasts and shows and stuff, like episodes can easily be three hours, four hours long. Wow. So they've managed to be quite... Because it's, you know, it's down to how the improv goes. And especially whenever there's combat, because you have to roll the dice and it can take ages. So those episodes can really... um. Yeah. Can drag out, but no, I'm glad you're enjoying it. Is that the part? Is that it for podcasts? Yes, I still haven't gone to your number one, which was oh the the Weekly the, Planet, yeah, or the one about video games. That's okay. It's not going anywhere. Yeah. Although I'm really excited, yeah. the the Weekly Planet this week are going to be reviewing Spider Man. I can't wait to hear what they thought of it. It just hasn't gone up. Oh. Anyway, um, a bit of my tube before we finish. What's about your homework? Oh, sorry, my homework. I forgot we talked so long. <laughs> uh, my homework was great. I had to watch uh, The Secret World of Arietti, or simply yes. Arietti, depending on where you're viewing it. Um, mm-hmm. An adaptation of The Borrower's Books, uh, which I love. And um, I've never, I think, well, I think I've read some of The Borrower's Books when I was very young. And then they made a film adaptation. Hollywood made a film adaptation in 1997, starring John Goodman and Jim Broadbent and a few other people, okay. um, which I really, really loved as a child. So I've got a bit of a sort of nostalgic appreciation for mm. these characters. And I kind of assumed that the Ghibli version, uh, Arietti, would veer away in a big way from the original story. Yeah. But it actually, mm. it's actually quite like the dad is still called Pod. Like when they start calling him Pod, I was, I was like, that's really, what's that? And it was, I was like, oh, it's from the Burrows, of course. It's he's called mm. Pod in Pod Clock, and uh, anyway, um, so I was excited to watch it because I like the story. Um, it's the story of a group of little people, borrowers who live in a small, who live underneath a house in um, sort of the outer suburbs of Tokyo, um, and have lived there for a very long time, and they survive by borrowing things like a cube of sugar. If they take a cube of sugar. It can last them like six months. Um, mm. So they, they just take what they need to get by. They're scared of the humans that live in the house um, for some good reason and for some bad reason because some of the humans that live in the house have been waiting a long time to maybe have some interactions with them and want to want yeah. to help them. Um, there's, a, there's, a key, there's a key location, this little doll's house that <gasps> the, the borrowers believe was made as, as a doll's house for the children to play with. But you find out at a point in the movie it was made for the little people and they've never realised that it was for them. Um, It's so beautiful, isn't it? Yeah, it is beautiful. So Arietti's the daughter, um, Pod and... What's the mum called in Arietti? Pod and... Homily are are the parents... And the movie opens with Arietti is now old enough to go on her first borrowing where she's going to go with her dad into the house and borrow some stuff, uh, some supplies for them. Uh, and this coincides with the arrival at the house of Shaw, who is um, a young boy who's very sickly. His heart mm. is giving up and he's gone to this house to uh, recuperate and have some nice, quiet, calm time. Uh, the house is lived in by... Um, so, da, 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 da. Sadako, who's his great aunt, and her housemaid Haru, the biggest villain in a Ghibli movie I've ever seen. This woman Haru, yeah, I she's hate horrible. Her. Oh, awful yeah. person! Get awful. out, get out of here, Haru. Yeah, she deserves she's... some more serious uh, <laughs> comeuppance, I think, uh, than what she gets. 
Um, like if this was a Disney movie, the mo- it would end with Haru being trampled to death by a raccoon or thrown <laughs> off a thrown off a balcony. Or, yeah. you know, any number of horrible ways that, that villains die in Disney movies. But because it's a Ghibli movie, she just sort of gets embarrassed. <laughs> but it's fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so very quickly, you know, pretty much immediately Sho sees a little person. Sadako's been waiting her entire life. She's an old woman. Her entire life yeah. she's been like, I think there are little people here. I can't see them, though. Sho arrives within within 60 seconds. He's seen a little person. He's very yes. good at finding little people. Um and he t- attempts to kind of, you know, it's a very gentle movie. There's not that much mm. uh, conflict. Uh, it's just sort of watching and experiencing the world of these people as they try to get by, with the conflict coming from Haru's attempts to have them uh, exterminated. But never, you know. Wench. Yeah, she's, she never, you know, there's no motivation for it. She knows. She sits at the dinner table and watches Sadako discuss how her dad loved the little people and they want the little people yeah. to, to have this house and da-da-da-da-da. And Haru gets wind of little people and is immediately just like, kill him, Kill him. I reckon they're all over the place. Yeah. Horrible. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway. Um, and, yeah, I guess plot-wise, that's about all there is to say, but yeah, as a movie, much plot. Uh, the animation, you know, it's a Ghibli film. The animation is absolutely beautiful it's gorgeous and you know this tiny world they've created is uh pretty pretty stunning the little pin that the the arietta uses to defend yeah. herself and you know when, when she's climbing yeah. up the curtains with the little hook yeah. earrings using earrings yeah. as like uh, uh grappling hooks and stuff and it's a beautiful movie i really really enjoyed it um i don't really have anything bad to say about it it, it hits that exact you know the best ghibli movies kind of like totoro and others have this perfect blend of like wonder and slight melancholy uh, mm. and sadness at like the passing of time and the loss of innocence and stuff like that. And yeah, Arietti hits the nail on the head with all of that stuff. Yeah, and yeah, uh, is great. So I really enjoyed it. I watched the Japanese dub, of course, uh, the original the Japanese dubbing, yes. but was interested to see the music. Oh, the music's gorgeous. It's by the the, the French. Uh, yeah. Yeah, the music the music is wonderful. I, yeah, I should have mentioned actually. I think the music is some of the best I've heard in a Ghibli movie, even though it's not by the longtime Ghibli composer who you you all know the name of because you talked about him last week. Um, Joe Isaishi. Joe Isaishi. Joe. Isaishi. Joe Isaishi. So not by him, but still beautiful score, really well yeah. done. And I was interested to see that this movie's got two dub two English dubs. Do you know about this? No. So there's an American dub that Disney did in 2012. But for mm. some reason, Studio Canal did a UK mm. English dub in 2011. And I kind of want to watch it because... So Arietti in the American version is voiced by Bridget Mendler, who she might be wonderful, but I've not heard of her. In the UK dub, Saoirse Ronan voices Arietti. What? Yeah. In the American dub, show is voiced by David Henry, who, again, I don't know who that is, but... And they changed the name to Sean. Uh, but I think the UK what? dub keeps all the original names, so still sure. Mm. In the UK dub, Shah is voiced by, in his film debut, Tom Holland. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Homily, the mother, in the American in the American dub. I mean, this is still, this is interesting, actually. In the American dub, Homily is voiced by Amy Poehler from Parks and Rec, oh. etc. Okay, yeah. In the English dub, Olivia Colman. What? Yep. <laughs> In the American dub, Pod, the dad, is voiced by Will Arnett, which is interesting because I think at that point Will Arnett and Amy Poehler were probably married still. 
in real okay. life. They might have, I'm not sure quite when they, let's find out. Da, da, da. They broke up in 2016. So yes, they would have still been a married couple, playing a married couple yeah. in this film. Uh, but in the in the UK dub, Mark Strong voices Pod. Um, Mark Strong? Yeah, Mark Strong. Um, and then... Uh, the gangster. <laughs> well, yeah, I know. He always plays a bad guy, doesn't he? But obviously not in this one. Yeah. And then the, the other character is not so fascinating uh but in i think her final film role geraldine McEwen, who's a great um english actress had a very long career she voices haru uh but in the in the in the american dub carol burnett voices haru who um mm. we know from the show about the right is it her am i thinking of i'm thinking of somebody else no i'm thinking of carol kane i don't know who carol burnett is sorry but i'm sure she's great uh anyway uh, just interesting. I'd be interested to see the UK dub because of all of those voices involved. Mm. Um, it, you know, it sounds like it'd be pretty good. But um, yeah, the one I watched was wonderful. I really liked it. Thank you for making me watch yeah. it. Yeah. Excellent. Okay. Bit of my tube. Yeah. Quick bit my of my tube. tube. Are you? I'm going to do it. Uh, do you have anything to share, to share? No. Okay. I'm going to do it slightly differently. I'm going to give you four colours and you're going to pick a colour. Okay. Okay. The colours are green, mm-hmm. pink, oh, orange, I know what pink is. orange yeah. and red. Yeah. Okay. Let's go for red first. Oh, wow. Okay. I just typed red oh, into no. YouTube as if that was going to bring it to me. Um, right. So. I'll be interested to know what you're thinking of this controversial thing. Um, oh, is it a movie? Is it a trailer? It's a trailer, but not for a yeah. movie. Oh, a uh, TV series. A TV series. Have you finished, uh, by the way? Have you finished watching Beef? No, I haven't because of going on holiday and things. Yeah, I'm in the middle of it still. I will finish it. Okay. Okay, I'm I'm looking forward to for you to tell me what you thought about the last episode. I will. I will. Okay, so oh so I actually wanted to watch the trailer of this, but I waited. Uh George uh is showing me uh the trailer of the idol, the which idol. is uh, is it a film or a series? It's a TV series. It's on HBO. And it's made by that guy that made Euphoria, Sam Levinson. Levinson. Yes. And everybody was like, ooh, it's bad. Well, maybe it's not. Very controversial behind the scenes stuff. Uh, what, what happened? Well, it's been created by The Weeknd and Sam Levinson. It was going to, every episode was meant to be directed by this uh, lady director um, whose name I don't remember, but she ended up being fired or leaving it. I'm not quite sure which. Um. Let me see if I can find anything. Da, 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 da. Uh, 
Amy Simetz mm. was supposed to direct um, every episode, um, who's directed yeah. stuff like uh, The Killing, um, uh, oh no, no, hang on, no, she's a she's an actress in The Killing. All oh, right, she's an actress and a director. Interesting. Okay, anyway, Amy Simetz was going to direct every episode. Yeah. And it was supposed to be about a young pop star who gets indoctrinated into a cult run by the weekend who starts to manipulate her, um, yeah, etc. Or not run by Abel Tesfaye's character, not the weekend. Yeah. It it, it 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 ultimately. She left the series as director. Sam Levinson took over as director, and and they basically redid the whole thing. And the behind the scenes stuff is that like. The weekend had decided that it had too much of a feminine viewpoint and he wanted it to be more about his character and less about the cult stuff and more just about him um running her career as a pop star or something. And it seemed like it kind of was and it was Rolling Stone did this big article about all this behind the scenes stuff and basically really criticizing it as being a really awful, sordid, sleazy thing. And no one's quite sure what to make of it. And then it's premiered in Cannes the other week and it had some positive response, but then quite a lot of negative reviews as well. And nobody really knows Okay. what... I, yeah, and I don't really know what to make of it. So let's let's watch the trailer and you can see what you think. Are you ready? Okay. Then let's go. Okay, so Johnny Depp's daughter, which is Lily Rose Depp. Indeed. She is the idol, I guess. Mm, she's a pop star. Going to a she's, she's a having yes. all kinds of fun. Yes, clubbing. Just for you. Easy. I'll just do that. Okay. I'm telling you right now, these people in here are gauging whether or not you still got it. Okay, so lots of like makeup, like in Euphoria, and like crazy kind of. Lots of there's a lot going sexualized on. thing. Is that the weekend with short hair? That is the weekend. He looks yeah. super weird. <laughs> he does. <laughs> They're taking drugs, of course. Do you feel this right now? Oh, thank you. And I think I just fell in love with you. Okay. So it's very tragic. There's probably some kind of crime going on. The weekend looks pretty different though, doesn't he? Yeah. He There's does. Jenny from Blackpink. Oh really? Is that oh, Frank Azaria? Yeah, Hank Azaria's in it. Hank Azaria. Yeah, Jenny from Blackpink is in it. Interesting. Uh. What do you reckon? I don't know actually. Uh, it looks. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> it looks like. I don't know what to make of that trailer. No. It just looks like this. This person is a pop star, and then there's gangster around gangsters, and there's an evil guy trying to do something with this pop star. Yeah. Lots of drugs, sex, and booze. But for all the talking uh, around it, it looks a bit generic to me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It looks very generic. Mm. Like, I think I'm going to forget about watching the trailer in three seconds. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but I guess it'll be out soonish, so maybe... I don't know. Have maybe. a look. Yeah, maybe we'll have a look at it. We'll see how people react to Did it. Did you watch any Euphoria? Uh, I've watched the first series of Euphoria. 
Mm. It's good. Yeah, second season is better, I think. Yeah, okay, I'll get to second season eventually. 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 Eventually, at the end. Um, would you like to pick another colour? Green. Green. I'm gonna leave the la- the best for last. Okay. I disagree about that. But Mutant Mayhem. Is this a new trailer? You showed me one. Yes, but this is a proper. That was like a teaser. This is the full okay. trailer. Um, I'm excited. I am and then so excited for this movie. You you posted on Instagram that the music is done by Trent Reznor. Trent Reznor. Yes. And Atticus Ross. Very excited about so. that. The voice cast is popping. Um, the animation, talking about Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse earlier, here's another yeah. byproduct of that. The animation in this yeah. movie is wild. Let's go. Let's have a look. Let's see what you think. I love I how Seth like. Rogen, though, has been able to kind of detach himself a little bit from his life before. And Do you mean he doesn't have to make movies with James Franco anymore? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> it's for the best. It's for everyone. It's, the best it's for definitely everyone. for the best. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. it's it's good that he did a, a smooth transition, you know. Yeah, he yeah, and he seems to just be doing things he wants to do, and I think he's produced yeah. something special here. Let's see. You ready? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay, we have the four mutant ninja turtles. Yep. Oh. And they look so they all look around. different in this yes. they don't just have different colours on them they all look different it's so yes. Splinter we see Splinter there Splinter Leonardo being uh, a little baby yes they do look very different one from another they're cute so they're Oh, and voiced by actual teenagers, I think. Right? They Is sound it? like teenagers, yeah. Oh. <laughs> April O'Neil, voiced by uh, Ao Debiri from the Bear. There. Yes. Yes. From Permanent Teenager, Seth Rogen. I love that. Just look I at it. him. It looks so yeah, cool. Yeah, it looks amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and they look young. They look like yeah. teenagers, which we haven't had that, have we? No, they've always been called Teenage Mutant, but they don't... Yeah, yeah. but they were not teenage. But didn't, they didn't look teenagers. Oh, he's got glasses. Oh, it looks so beautiful, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. August 2nd. You're going to be here. No, you're not. My son, Michelangelo, you have heart. Donatello. You have wisdom. Raphael, you have bravery. And Leonardo. Who does the voice for Splinter? Jackie Chan. Ah. Mm. Yeah, the voice cast is good. Yes. Ah. <laughs> oh. Amazing. Very exciting. Yeah, what do you reckon? Yes. Do you reckon it's going to be good? I think so. 
It looks beautiful. I think it's going to be entertaining. I think it's going to be good. <clears throat> so I can assume the pink is Barbie. Hey! So I'm going to go for orange. Orange. All right. What do you think orange is? Any guesses? Orange. Orange. Is it a film? Your baby. Orange. It's the film. Ah, uh, Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer. Oh, I have no interest in this. Neither did I until the latest trailer, which okay. I think makes it look like it could be. I don't know. We'll just, see. I I just I just there's already enough darkness in, inside of me. No, that's very true. That's very true. But, um, <laughs> you know, Christopher Nolan, it knows what he's doing. Killian Murphy's yeah. a great actor. There's a good cast in this thing. Yeah. I mean, it's out on the same day as Barbie, and I know which one I'm going to see first, but still. Let's, okay. Let's have an open mind. Are you ready? Yeah. Oppenheimer is the Poco is happening. Mm. Apocalypse, isn't it? The Poco, yeah. The Poco. <laughs> oh, that guy from um, Josh and Greg and Josh, whatever. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, something has exploded and it went orange from Christopher Nolan. Everything is in black and white. There's, yeah, there's black and white scenes and colour scenes, I think. Against the Nazis? Is it... What? Is it set? Yeah, I mean, you know... Do you know who Oppenheimer is? Oh! Okay, sorry. It's alright. I completely, like... I completely, like... (laughs) You know when you see a word and it doesn't make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Okay, now that I know it... Okay. Yeah. Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Let's go recruit some scientists. Okay. I because I completely didn't associate the name with the film. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I didn't realize it was going to be a period drama. It so is. maybe I'm more interested now. Okay. Okay. Oh, Emily, Emily Blunt. Blunt. Mm-hmm. Very nice. How about because this is the most important thing that ever happened in the history of the world? Ah, uh, because you're going to create something horrible. Yep. I'm so stupid. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh. Okay, there was uh, Albert Einstein. Yep. Yep. Near zero. What do you want from theory of loan? Zero. Would be nice. Yeah. Oh my god. I don't think I could watch this film. I mean, it's it's going to be incredible, but I think I'm going to. It's going to be really. Oh. Oh my god. I hope it's not going to be an American propaganda film about uh, how incredible America is. I don't think how... it will. I can't imagine that that's how Nolan would approach it. Until somebody builds a bigger one. I think that's what the black and white sequences are going to be. The, you know, the come down afterwards. Florence Pugh. Florence Pugh. Oh, what's that? That was Robert Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr. 
Truman needs to know what's next. Two. What's next? One. Wow. Um, so first of all, I'm like, it's so weird how your brain works, <laughs> how I just saw Oppenheimer and I knew it was something about doom and I was like, oh, and I, n- I didn't read anything about it. I didn't care about it. And then, and then you're just like, oh yeah, the, the, the creator of the atomic bomb. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I don't know how I feel about it. It's a horrible. It's a. It's it's one of the most awful. It's the most. It's just about the most awful thing humanity has ever done. Um, yeah. And the movie needs to. Yeah. Come. Needs but just to, to it, show an an unhinged human being doing this. Yeah. It just kind of diminished. I don't know. Like movies could be so powerful. If the movie can powerfully work as a as a as another you know thing to deter people from using these things and from en- engaging wow. in this kind of thing then maybe it's it's all for the good I'm, I'm interested to see the movie yeah it's not a story that i have a big affection for because it's horrible but um yeah i think it does look like you know it looks it's got an incredible cast and christopher mm. nolan no you know, christopher nolan doesn't just make american military propaganda movies that's not what he does Mm. So I don't think that that's what it'll be, um, but we'll see. I'm interested to mm. see it. He must. There must be a reason why he's wanted to make it. Um, are you ready for Pink? Yeah. Something I think brighter. I, I watched this trailer. But it's so good. Yeah. So watch it again. Let's have a look. Oh, the foot of Barbie in a pink world. So from what I got. Can I come to your house today? Oh, go on. Sure. I don't have anything big planned. Just a giant blowout party with all just... Barbies and plant choreography and a bespoke song. You should stop by. So cool. It's just so Barbie, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, so this... It's the best day ever. It is the best day ever. So is yesterday and so is tomorrow and every day from now until forever. <laughs> when I was watching this trailer the other day, yeah. I thought it felt a little bit like uh, Don't Worry Darling. Okay, oh, yeah, I, uh, yeah I, I guess I can see that actually. In the Barbie version, in the yeah. Barbie universe. That might be related. Cold shower. Yeah. And my heels are on the ground. Fascinating. So interesting stuff. Yeah. What do I have to do? Yay! Yeah! You can go back to your regular life, or you can know the truth. Birkenstocks. I think it's very funny that a Birkenstock choice. represents yeah. reality. Yeah, I love Birkenstocks. So it's going to be like an adventure movie. Yep. I'm coming with you. Okay. <laughs> I'm I'm intrigued on in how it's going to work. <laughs> Looking at me. Yeah, they're also staring at me. <laughs> <laughs> Barbie in the real world. That's America Ferreira. Yeah. And Will Ferrell. Good old Will Ferrell. We haven't played with Barbie since we were like five years old. Oh, nobody plays with Barbies anymore. No one rests until this doll is back in a box. 
just looks I wonder, mad. Though, eh? It just looks so mad. Yes. Humans only have one ending. Get that army! Ideas live forever. Yeah. No, I won't let you do just one appendectomy. <laughs> but I'm a man. But not a doctor. I love this Can I talk bit. To a doctor? You are talking to a doctor. Can I need a clicky pen? No. A sharp pen. No. There he is. <laughs> doctor. Somebody get security. Ah. Uh. Um, I wonder if like the Barbie world is going to be just at the beginning and then the rest is going to be. Um, I don't I don't know because they've got so many people playing different Barbies. Yeah. I'm certain that can't yeah. be it. But also Mattel have agreed to make a movie about Barbie where they're the villain, it seems like, which is also bizarre. Like, I remember Margot Robbie saying she read the script and was like, this is great, but they'll never let us make it. And then they, she said they did yeah. let us make it. Like, it's I can't wait to see what it is. Well, the thing is, Mattel, even being the evil people, they're going to make so much money out of this. Well, yeah, I mean, maybe they were like, we've got to do something to But also, I like the way it says, if you love Barbie, this movie's for you. If you hate Barbie, this movie's for you. Yeah. Like, they're just being very open and honest about the state that Barbie, you know, the current perception yeah. of Barbie in the world. Yeah. I, it's, you know, it's exciting. Yeah. And it's weird that the mo- this movie that everyone's talking about is having such an incredible script kind of looks the same as the Lego movie in some ways about, like... You know, mm. the Lego, the, the toy in that goes into the real world and da, da, da. And Will Ferrell is the guy, the bad human guy. That, like, it's the Lego. The, like, Will Ferrell had the same role in the Lego movie. Really? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's it's okay. bizarre. I'm, I cannot, I'm fascinated. I can't wait to see it. It, it should yeah. be hopefully good. And even if it's not good, it will be interesting. Um, mm. Definitely. Yeah, so... Good times. Right, well, that's my chips. Culture Catch Up. We've talked for ages. It's been a big episode, uh, but lots yeah. of stuff to discuss. Do you have any recommendations for people to finish on? <clears throat> uh, yes. Um, watch uh, Sanctuary, mm-hmm. uh, the Netflix series, and definitely uh, have a look at Empire Land How Imperialism Has Shaped Modern Britain by Satham Sangira. Mm hmm. Good, and please also, while you're doing all those things, go and rate and review us everywhere you can, please. All What's your recommendations? Of... Oh, you keep forgetting about yourself. Well, I wanted to just get that in. It's really important. <laughs> My recommendations are Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse and Bo is Afraid. Watch both of those things. Uh, one of them, I guarantee you'll have a good time. The other one, I guarantee you won't have a good time, but um, it's a good film on, the, on that nevertheless. Rate and review us everywhere you can, please. In-app, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you can. Tell people about us. Get your friends listening to us. We'd love to have more listeners. Please, please, please do that. You can go and buy us a coffee if you'd like as well. All the links to do all of those things are in the show notes for this and every episode by going through to our link tree. Um, so do that, please. And it's been a pleasure. Uh, it's been episode 106. Next week, episode 107, we'll be celebrating the release of Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse even more by doing our top five Spider-Man films ever. Uh, exciting times. Yes. Yes. Good. Right. Thank you so much. Love you and goodbye. Thank you. Love you. Bye. 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 Bye.